Welcome to Hacking the Self. I'm Adrian Baker. I want to start out just by thanking the regular listeners for tuning in as always, and also welcoming you to the podcast if this is your first time tuning in. And for those regular listeners, I would like to thank you for your patience because I know that it's been quite a while since our last episode, and normally I've been good about putting them out quite regularly, but it's been a very busy past several weeks, and I'm just getting around to releasing a new episode now. So just want to acknowledge that and thank you for listening so much and just let you know I really appreciate your support and your interest and that my interest in the podcast isn't waning at all. I just have been overridden by other concerns and things that I've had to sort of handle my life the past several weeks, but it's all been good news, I'm happy to say. So anyways, thank you for that up front. And now for today's guest, this is going to be the first time that I'm having a return guest on the show, but I really enjoyed my first conversation with Dane Barkley, who is very interested in the field of biohacking. He's a certified bulletproof coach. And Dane and I had a good sort of intro to biohacking overview conversation in our, our first talk. And now what we do in this one is we really hone in on Dane's specialty, which is lighting. And so we talk all about the importance of light, both good sources of natural light, why exposing yourself to the sun is really important, a topic that a message that we don't often hear about. A lot of times we hear about the dangers of sun exposure and yes, too much exposure to the sun is definitely a real problem, but so is too little exposure to the sun. And Dane talks about the importance of getting natural sunlight, why it's so important, when are the optimal times of the day to get that exposure, and how it's related to a host of important functions for the body. We talk about circadian rhythms. We also talk about avoiding bad light. So we talk about avoiding a lot of fluorescent lighting and blue lighting. And actually, Dane is developing a new product, Blue Light Blocking Glasses, which sounds like it's going to be a really awesome addition to the market because there are several different lines of glasses that work now, but they're all pretty dorky biohacker-like glasses to wear. And Dane is developing something which he'll tell you more about, but it is optimal for all different times of the day and uh, is going to be a more stylish model for people to wear. So that is an interesting topic that we cover. And also we touch on not only some of Dane's recommendations for getting good lighting, avoiding bad lighting, but an important and also related topic of getting good sleep. So Dane shares his favorite hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And that's how we really wrap up the conversation. So I think it's a really interesting conversation. I hope that you'll enjoy it as well. You know, something that we've touched on in the podcast, and I really want to start to explore this in more depth. You know, the show has always been about exploring health in a holistic way, physical, mental, emotional health, and exploring it at the intersection of ancient wisdom and modern science. And that is going to continue to be the focus for the show. And I think in light of that, I'd like a lot of the themes going forward to focus on uh, longevity and the importance of of health and longevity in that respect. And while we've covered a number of topics on the show, frankly, I, I sort of see all of them in that light, 
but really hitting that topic more explicitly. So just sort of giving a heads up to regular listeners around the themes that I foresee going forward. Thank you for your interest. As always, I'd love to hear from you, especially because it's been a while. So please drop me a line at hackingtheself at gmail.com. Also hacking the self Facebook page or at hacking the self on Twitter. Let me know what you're enjoying, what you'd like to see more of. Please help to get the word out around the show. That's a really important way you can support the show by sharing it on social media with your friends and family or simply telling them about it. Also, if you are listening to this show and you really enjoy it, especially if you've heard the show more than once, I would ask you to consider giving on Patreon. For just $2 or more a month, you can help to make this project a sustainable one. Several people have done that, and particularly recently, and I've been very grateful. This show is a considerable investment of time and energy and money. I pay for the production cost of this show because I want it to really sound professional. And there's obviously just an opportunity cost in terms of the time invested in this show. So whatever you can give, even if it's $2 a month, whatever you can give, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. So you can do that at patreon.com slash hacking the self, leaving a review on iTunes or the store on Google or Stitcher is another great way to help support the show. So really, really appreciate it to anyone who has taken the time to do any of those things. And thanks to all of you for listening. So with that said, I give you now my conversation with Dane Barkley. Your continued support makes future episodes possible. You can help by heading over to patreon.com slash hacking the self. So yeah, Dane, let's start by just talking on a personal level, how you got very interested in the topic of light. It's a good question. I guess it found me in a sense, like a lot of the stuff I've studied and learned over the years, it popped up uh, numerous times in my radar along the um, way of learning about all the things health. And it was something that was quite common amongst everyone I learned from. A lot of the people that I respected, it came in relatively, I guess I understood the sort of physics behind it through um, Dr. Jack Cruz, the neurosurgeon. So his work was around sort of light, water and magnetism, um, the sort of quantum biology and the biophysics side of things. So yeah, that was where I guess my first introduction to that on a, um, a deeper level of understanding light and the physics of light and how that affects our biology sort of came about. And that was a few years back now. Before that, I mean, I enjoyed the sun like most people do and I didn't really take much um, sort of awareness of the benefits behind it, either the lack of sun and also for the actual benefits of appropriate amount of sun. So that all sort of came about, I guess, within my study along the way. And now just after everything I've done, plus also my personal practicing, understanding light and how it's enormous difference in terms of my health and how I can sort of anchor my circadian rhythms and have way more respect for sunlight and also for artificial light as well. Big deep world there for sure in the lighting world. For people who aren't familiar with the concept of the circadian rhythm, can you just sort of explain the basics of that to them and why it's so important? Yeah, yeah. So circadian rhythms, well, actually won the Nobel Prize recently, circadian biology in recognizing now it's becoming a lot more mainstream. It's been it's pretty much essentially it's our it's light darts light and dark cycles and circadian rhythm. So it we go with the we rise and we sort of sleep, fall asleep with the sun and the sunlight. Ideally, it's how we've evolved over I guess billions of years 
as a species is that um, light and dark cycle. So idea is getting ideal situation, getting um, sunlight into the eyes in the morning, anchoring that circadian rhythm there and also blocking the artificial light at night. So the way that most people can, I guess, regulate it is as simple as that. And people that do have sort of problems around that circadian rhythms, a lot of studies have shown that pulling people back out into camping for a weekend is enough to reset that circadian rhythm. So living under the sun, the cycles of the sun, and then also living under the moonlight or starlight. And then all you have at night is like a campfire. So that warm light, there's enough there to sort of sort of realign circadian rhythms. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot more to it as well, obviously, with the, the, um, the melatonin as well being one of the oldest molecules on the planet and that there that's one the connection with the light and dark cycles and allowing to get our circadian rhythms on track and in line with nature and with the sun and so melatonin that's produced with light so with the sunlight and it's released at night when it's there's an absence of light or of artificial light at least so naturally will um it'll lull us into a nice sleep into a nice day and then does its job from there um it cleans up the whole body from there so it's a yeah melatonin is definitely one of the molecules that is attached to the circadian rhythms as well to a healthy circadian rhythm interesting are there any other important functions of melatonin aside from helping us to fall asleep in the evening yeah it's a lot more studies being done about it now and understanding the importance of it it is one of the most or if not the most powerful antioxidant known to man melatonin so people i mean a lot of supplement companies are coming out now and trying to release melatonin supplements not really for the endogenous intake of melatonin i think it'd be useful for a short-term period to have a low dose melatonin to get your body back on track and definitely for the the older population as well as you decrease with age your melatonin production also drops as well so Liquid melatonin is ideal and that's a healthy, I guess a relatively healthy way to sort of a small dose of that endogenously, but I'd prefer most people the easiest way you can get a good hit of melatonin to be released from the body, from the pineal gland is um, absolutely with sunlight on the through the eyes, through the retina and on the skin. That's the ideal situation and then blocking that the artificial light at night and therefore is release the amount of melatonin that's required for the body to, to clean up all the free radicals in your body as well. So it's a incredible molecule and it's yeah definitely one of the it's a lot more studies to be done to actually understand how it all works wow so thank you for sharing that that was extremely interesting i actually didn't know for example about the antioxidant properties of of melatonin and you know it makes me wonder you talking about the various uses of importance of melatonin aside from just sleep you know same question i guess for circadian rhythms aside from the importance of sleep can you talk about the way that's linked to just the proper functioning of our health in general, whether it's, you know, digestive system or other bodily systems? Like, why is it so important that we really um, realign our circadian rhythms? Well, yeah, that's it's, that. Um, everything I found from personal experience, but also from what I've studied from multiple people that I trust and respect is how vital it is to have that I guess circadian rhythm that's in line with nature, but also and that aligns also with your sleep, so that will increase your sleep quality as well, which in turn increases your waking quality of life as well. So it, it's all in the its cycle as well. So having good quality sleep, which requires obviously a good hit of melatonin to be released from the pineal gland, and that aligns with also good waking hours, which goes back into good sleeping hours, and it just it good it's a cycle that keeps going around. So sleep is is something that I've worked on say hacking or optimizing as much as possible and got to a really good place now where it's allowed me to everything from just immune system is just it's almost impenetrable in the sense that I 
I've forgotten to sink maybe once in the last two or three years from memory. And that's just a slight cold, if that. But in terms of, yeah, I just respect the and value how much sleep has an impact or quality sleep has an impact on on everything. On exactly you said, digestion in terms of the immune system, definitely. All those areas are impacted and they are impacted negatively as well if you're not getting consistent quality sleep. So a couple of bad nights of sleep is okay if you get back on track, but if you're consistently getting lower than ideal quality amount of sleep, then it's, it all impacts in, and end, end up sort of just breaking down the immune system and, and areas that become sort of weaker at least. It's digestive, it's immune, so your body doesn't, doesn't have a proper chance to actually repair itself at night in its deep sleep state. And so it's so vital and it's so hard to sort of, I guess, articulate how important it really is until you actually experience it yourself and actually go through it and, and actually value sleep and the elements of it. Um, quality sleep, that is, doesn't really matter. It's quantity makes a big difference, but it doesn't make a huge difference if your quantity is, if you're sleeping for 10 hours, but it's not, you're waking up every sort of half an hour or you're getting hit by EMFs everywhere. So it's, yeah, it's really focusing on the quality of sleep and then how you feel when you wake up and throughout the day. Thank you for that. You know, and actually, even though we're said to talk about light, it would be great to get into sleep as well, you know, if we have the time for that. But I think a great question just to start off for some folks who might not know is like, what are really those ideal hours of sunlight exposure that are crucial to melatonin production? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, you actually said before, sleep is very much aligned with light and dark cycles. It's all very intricately connected. So especially, so the light cycles are definitely with the sun ideally is be getting out in the morning. It's been sort of recognized now and that long, very popular in the Eastern philosophy and um, practices is a sort of sun gazing in a sense, but it's understanding that now it's um, sort of getting across to the Western area. People understand that. So ideally that's the first step. So we're, upon rising, I would say getting out there and getting sunlight into the eyes without sunglasses and the retina and ideally on the so skin. So what hours are ideal for that? Are we talking so that about? varies depends where you are on the planet so say for instance now in melbourne sunrise is about 6 40 now at this stage with daylight savings in so if you get around sunrise ideally that's around there you can get an app uh, called dminder which can track your vitamin d levels as well and that's ideal to sort of measure whereabouts the sun is as well so around sunrise ideally and then you can actually get out there and up until if you look at the dminder app it tells you the whereabouts the sun is. So once it's below, or as long as it's below 30 degrees of the horizon, there's no UVB present. And so it's, it's relatively safe to be looking in the direction of the sun and sort of getting that into your body, into your retina and your eyes. And it's that sort of from there, it's sort of like a waking point for your body um, to tell your body it's daylight. So ideally, yeah, if you find out where you get the D-Minder app or the Sundial app, and then you know exactly whereabouts in the world you are when sunrise is, and getting around those, the hour or two around sunrise at least um, to get into your eyes and your skin. And that's definitely ideal. But and if you can't get up earlier than that or get up later, then at least get something into your eyes and skin. So any sunlight is ideal, really. So you don't want it to be above 30 degrees for gazing into the sun, but I thought in order to get sort of melatonin production, you actually want it to be above 30 degrees for a period of time. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. So that's the whole. So the, the practice would be initially you'll be getting out in the morning within the first hour to sunrise, looking t- towards the sun, then to look directly at it, but just in the area so it gets into your retina. That sort of activates the pineal gland as well, 
And then ideally as well as also getting out around midday as well. So midday-ish um, when the sun's in full spectrum to get that onto your, your naked skin and your eyes as well. You don't have to look up the sun then. It's not ideal. It's probably not safe even during midday sun. But just be outside and you're having like anything from five minutes to half an hour. Depends on what time of the year and where you are. But that's, yeah, the light there is enough to sort of start to activate your body and get the melatonin sort of um, producing your body at least. And then it's at nighttime. It's then when it's when you're in the absence of light and darkness. And that's when the pineal gland starts to release the melatonin and starts to make you more drowsy, the sleep hormone. So that would be the ideal sort of lighting practice. It'd be the, yeah, the sunrise around the morning and then it'd be getting some in the midday. Obviously not too much. People might go overboard. So sun does have a hormetic effect. So if you're sitting out there for hours and sunbaking and you burn yourself, and that's not great. And if you're avoiding sun completely and inside under artificial lighting, that's also not great. So it's uh, understanding that balance and then getting a little bit every day if the sun's out. If the sun's not out, then you can, yeah, it's still it's very visible. You can still get a lot of um, from the clouds as well. So even overcast days, you can get a lot of, you can still get that presence of it. So we've been talking about the importance of good sunlight from the best source, the sun. Let's talk a little bit about some other valuable light hacks people have been talking about. So there's a lot of people talking about ultraviolet light right now and the benefits of that in the, ultra, in the infrared sauna. Can you talk about you know what exactly infrared light is and why it is supposedly so beneficial yeah that's a, it's a lot of buzz now and definitely in the community is the light panels so you can get there are a few companies that are pumping up with you can get them and hanging on the back of your door and stand in front of the red light a lot of people see them now also the the infrared saunas they are fairly expensive i think they're a great supplement to the sun and for people that that have the, the money absolutely be a great investment to make into those either an infrared sauna or a, a light panel, an infrared light panel as well. Pretty much they just, it's ideal to have them, to be using them throughout winter, especially into the, when the sun's not literally present and sort of overcast days and you're getting that sort of, the same as the, I guess you find like the reptilians, how they go under the, the, the lighting they use for that. It's like a warmth, it's um, quite warming sort of light as well and it puts off some heat as well. And so they are therefore like it's enough to sort of, your body absorbs it as well. But there's a lot of, lot of thing going on there at the moment with that with the infrared area it's finding the ones that work well and if you have the funds as well to do that if people obviously don't have the funds there's ideally it's enough to get back to nature and that's like the first step and once you understand once you get that sort of in a good cycle then things like these little like infrared panels or there's also tech as well like the retimer glasses and the human charger they're also very useful technology that can supplement the sun obviously you can't replace it but these are things that are really good to supplement. And so you can use the retirement glasses and the human charger are very useful throughout winter months. And they um, they shine like a blue and a sort of like a greenish um, light in, and one through the eyes and the human charger goes through the ears. And it's like it sort of mimics the sunlight in a sense and it's enough to sort of wake the body up and also help with um, seasonal affective disorder. So they're useful sort of tools and gadgets that are can help that as well and at the same time there's also the the infrared saunas to be used ideally through winter months you can also use through summer but ideally winter and also yeah that's sort of the way to go for that well that raises an interesting question about the infrared so what about people who live in places where you're getting sunlight year-round whether it's the tropics or california or even i imagine well to haven't lived in Sydney, but they do have a winter. But I imagine you got parts of Australia, right, where people are getting sunlight all year round. What about those folks? Do they really need infrared or is it kind of not so necessary for them? I'd say it'd 
be way more valuable for the people in the polars. The closer you are to the polars, that'll be absolutely beneficial, which makes obviously a lot of sense. If you're, getting, if you're near the equator, most of the country in the equator, I personally wouldn't invest the money in that. Into a, it, It's fairly expensive, infrared saunas as well, and also the, the light panels. Um, I think they're, they're very useful closer to the polars, but in terms of the, you've got plenty of sunlight almost all year round. So that's the number one source for life is the sun. So using that adequately, getting sort of an adequate amount of sun, so not too much, not too little, and getting that day in, day out. Um, when you've got the sun around that often, then absolutely. And I think the sort of Queensland, a bit north of in Australia there, we have that sort of year-round sunlight. In Melbourne, we're a little bit south down here, so we do get a little, um, winter is quite cool. So And we're getting a little bit closer to the poles down here. So yeah, I'd say it'd be a lot more beneficial if you're close to the poles. And I wouldn't say it's really necessary if you're living close to the equator when you've got the sun, which is the number one source for all that. Right. Okay, that's good to know. So let's talk about avoiding bad light and a lot of the things we take for granted, you know, when we're going out in the evenings in shopping areas, restaurants, the exposure, and also to our devices. You know, we hear a lot about exposure to so-called blue light. Can you talk about what blue light is and what are sources of blue light and what are some of the problems with taking in blue light? Yeah, so blue light's, it's getting recognized now by a lot of mainstream tech. So Apple's obviously introduced their own night shift mode into their iPhones. And then there's a lot of companies now just bringing out their version of blue blocking software because it's become very, I guess, widely known now how damaging blue light can be. There's a lot more understood in the sort of the health community um, how detrimental it really is. It's just a, essentially blue light, which emits from TVs, fluorescence, your laptops, your iPhones, your smartphones, anything, all those areas that emit a whitish light from there, the blue light. It's just a very unnatural spectrum of light that the eye, brain, and the body doesn't recognize or we haven't evolved to be able to recognize this type of light. We've evolved millions of years under the sunlight, and that's a sunlight. That's a light that we recognise that the body, really, which allows to release the right neurotransmitters and get the organ functioning properly as well. So having that light in, especially at night, so when the sun sets, and if you're exposed to this light on your skin and especially your eyes and your retina, it just essentially it scrambles the brain and thinks it's daylight still, thinks it's midday. Some of the blue light from screens are sitting at like 6,500 Kelvin, which is equivalent to sort of midday sun um, in a sense. So that's if your eyes, if you're watching TV at night, watching your laptop, any of that stuff, and you're not using blue blocking software or even blue blocking eyewear as well, then therefore you're getting that, your body's just scrambled and it doesn't know what time it is. And therefore, same time and also won't release your body won't release melatonin your pineal gland won't release melatonin because it doesn't think it's nighttime yet it still thinks it's daytime so it, it just scrambles everything it, it's completely misaligns with circadian rhythms just not not an ideal lighting situation um hence why the sort of the antidote to the blue light is the red light um, hence why the light panels the infrared light panels and the infrared saunas are very popular as well as well as the lighting in people's houses the the sort of um, Himalayan salt lamps and the amber and the red lighting is the sort of the antidote to that. It's what we should be ideally living under once the sun sets for sure. And so, yeah, the, the unnatural spectrum of blue light, is, it's a big spark and increase and it's, it gives like a cortisol rush as well, especially if like late at night, so 10 o'clock or so, you're watching TV or something, your retinas are still sort of absorbing and it's translating to your brain. It's still daylight, so you're not going to release melatonin. It gives you sort of a cortisol rise and therefore it also doesn't allow to release enough melatonin to make you sleepy as well so hence 
the use for blue blocking glasses to be so necessary until I guess ideally it would be like electrical lighting engineers to be able to create the lighting that mimics the sun and that would be the ideal situation to move towards would be that. Can you explain a little bit more about why exactly it is that infrared is an antidote to blue light? It pretty much is is that he, it's the spectrum of the if because blue light has about six and a half thousand Kelvin it's measured in and infrared was well, definitely a lot lower than that especially amber light so if you're looking at like an incandescent bulb or a candle light or a fire light it's the kind of light that we're what we've evolved under so hence why the red has that the infrared especially well that has the heat that behind it as well and that's what we've evolved for millions of years is from that space we haven't evolved from this it's only even in the very short amount of time that we've been exposed to this this bluish white light that's in a very sort of high peak of in the spectrum of lighting so the infrared lighting plus also just red lighting in general in terms of if you had like a red filter there's a filter on your phone where you can turn the screen red and i've got a lot of my friends onto that as well which is great for nighttime use you're still getting sort of the light from the screen which is not ideal but it's better than having that blue in there so um yeah, red is the antidote to red, to blue, sorry. And just for the fact that it, your eyes can recognize that. It's a lot warmer in the eyes too. So it's that sort of mimicking the campfire sort of mentality have evolved as well. So having the red lighting throughout the house might look a bit weird, but that would be like an ideal situation to be living under. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I heard someone say recently, he actually had a pair of goggles that he put on and it, they were infrared and it exposed him to infrared light. And he was talking about how that released helped him release melatonin and he was saying helped him fall to sleep faster so is that actually specifically a good thing at night would it be beneficial to sit in a room with an infrared light for a certain period of time shortly before you went to bed yeah absolutely for sure yeah it, it depends on the the device the infrared sauna the light panels any of those ones it depends i guess which one you're using the strength of it as well and the effectiveness but yeah that would be an ideal situation would be to, yeah most people use that sort of you can use it before you go to sleep at night and that has it definitely has a lot of great benefits for sleep quality that's for sure so if people are looking at buying you know some kind of light online infrared light like how can they even begin to gauge the wattage of something like that like what's uh, an ideal range for what would be safe and helpful to have in your home that's a, that's a good question <laughs> that's that's the area i'm still i guess struggling with because the, there's so much out there there is a lot of um, products out there there's a lot of um, different opinions as well it depends on who you trust with that knowledge I'm still looking around and trying to find someone I can sort of, I guess, trust and that resonate with as well. So in terms of the right bulbs to be used as well, I find it very difficult myself to be able to navigate that and see what's ideal. I, I know what's very simple, the Himalayan salt lamps are very are very useful. They're quite common. And if you're getting a, a, a real one, not a fake one, and using an incandescent bulb, they're, fi- they're a fairly good option to sort of start with. And most people are familiar with that. And it's not a really ha- like a harsh red light, which is most people might find quite uncomfortable to be sort of, um, to be living under, um, not ideal. Whereas the Himalayan salt lamp has an incandescent bulb similar to like a candle light brightness so there that would be like an ideal sort of and also they have the properties as well the negative ions as well they have the other properties health properties associated with it so that'd be like probably a great starting place just to replace i guess normal lamps with the himalayan salt lamp and they last a while too so that would probably be great then there's, there's plenty of other bulbs as well that in there i know i think lighting science they've popped up a few times and i've seen them i think they're quite effective in terms of the lightage that they put out 
I think you can even like change, you can choose between the red and blue light as well throughout the day. So lighting science is one that's popped up a bit um, for bulbs. Himalayan salt lamps are a great place to start um, and very common and relatively cheap as well. I guess you can also go for, it depends if you want the like the infrared light panels as well. I know like Juve do a very good infrared light panel, a portable one where you can hang on the back of your door and stand in front of that and get the benefits of that as well. But again, there's, there's so many out there <laughs> and it's I think it's best to do your research and find where your price point lies as well and also understand that sort of like read up to yourself and see what, what actually resonates with you and what you feel like would be best for your situation. Is there a particular brand you like for the Himalayan salt lamp? I think as long as it, what I've researched about at least, I think there's, well, the one I got mine from is I think it's called Original Salt Lamps. I think it might be the website, but as long as they're like official. So I think it's had to be from Pakistan, as far as I'm aware. I mean, there's a lot of fake ones that are floating around. Um, so if you do your research into that and just make sure that's on a it's on a fake one. And I'm pretty sure you can sort of usually, they usually mention that online. And I think it's the ones from Pakistan and the ones that are genuine, from my understanding, at least. That's what I've come across. Okay, good to know. Is there anything else that we should have mentioned that wasn't brought up in terms of uh, bad lighting, things to really avoid or good hacks to use to avoid bad light? We're living in like the world at this stage. If the blue blocking glasses would be ideal to be have like a pair of them to navigate the world because I guess on airplanes it's horrendous especially airports and shopping malls and everything like at night anywhere with hugely lit up areas is not ideal if you're at home you can get away with wearing a dorky pair of um sort of blue blockers that you don't look um you don't you can feel comfortable in your home wearing at least but yeah blue blocking eyewear is definitely I think an absolute must until the rest of technology and lighting evolves to the way the sort of sun cycles around then i think until that happens then blue blocking eyewear is think yeah absolute necessity you can find blue blocking glasses that actually look normal as well like normal glasses can't you yeah there are a lot that's popping up now actually well that's hence why i've i've created sort of why i'm creating this the blue my blue blocking range at least it's because of the fact that they're i've done a ton of research out there and there are a couple out there but it's getting the effectiveness as well. Some of them don't they block out certain spectrums of light. So there's some that you can get that are like, I guess, an orange tinge lens, but then they only block up to, I guess, the 500 nanometers. They do allow a bit of green light in as well. So I'd ideally at night to be wearing like a red lens that blocks out at least 550 of the nanometer range. So that will block out all blue, all green, and I think most violet light. And all three of those lightings have been um, associated with melatonin suppression. So therefore, it's ideal to be blocking those three out to get the full effect of the, the so the melatonin to be released in the body. Yeah. So Dane, talk a little bit more about the line of glasses that you're developing. Yeah. So that actually stemmed from the fact that I couldn't find any that were relatively modern and stylish that I could wear out of the house comfortably that were also effective. It's I wear like ones I wear at home are really, really dorky looking glasses and it's okay because I'm in my home and it doesn't really matter. But when I leave the house, then I was looking for a pair that was effective. Plus also they look stylish and modern and didn't look too sort of, and look quite sort of, didn't look like they were any like have, I needed spe- like anything was wrong with me in a sense, <laughs> wearing colored lenses at night. But yeah, that was sort of stemmed from that place that I wanted to find something that I could wear out and about. And so then that sort of, sparked my interest into like what I can do about that and it started to evolve into like I looked everywhere and pretty much wasn't anything out there um, that met my standards and so I started to think okay what can I do to get this going even before that 
my understanding of lighting sort of evolved from the fact that well the eyewear company that I'm now launching is evolved. I didn't connect the story until a bit later on, but that all sort of stemmed from the fact that my grandmother was blind for the last probably 20 odd years of her life. So she never really saw us grandchildren or her own kids for that large chunk of time. And so that obviously had a huge impact on me, imprint on me. And without knowing consciously and connecting those two together, I was actually, that's what probably drew me more into the sort of understanding of light and our eyes and the sun and all that as well was all connected together. And that same stemmed why I've launched Barkley Eyewear. It's essentially is to get people back into the sunlight, back into nature, and also to block the blue light because it's, the, the rate of macular degeneration is just rapidly increasing and that also deteriorates eyesight and majority of the planet now is, is falling apart. So I just want to want people to have the same situation, I guess, of, or if I could, could stop people from losing their eyesight and protecting their eyes as well and see how valuable sight really is. That's how it stemmed from Barclay Eyewear and also the fact that I couldn't find anything else stylish. So I did a ton of research. Now I've got four styles that I'm looking at launching, hopefully before Christmas. See how I'll go with the manufacturers, but I've been back and forth to sort of get this ready for the market and get it at a really good standard that I'm happy with. And there's not like there's nothing else out there like what I'm about to launch, which I'm, I'm really sort of proud of. And the fact that I have the concept behind it is that it's going to be interchangeable lensing, um, clip-on lenses. And so the idea is that I'll be, you can choose depending on your needs. So throughout the daytime, it's ideal to have a, a day clip-on lens, which is like a yellow filter. And that's ideal to be wearing if you're in indoor environment on your computer. And that would be blocking up to about 450 nanometer range. So it lets still a bit of blue and green light in, which is not bad, but it blocks a lot of some of that bad blue light as well. And it's okay for the keep you alert still during the day because it's not ideal to be wearing the red blue blockers during the daylight because it might make you a bit drowsy. So the yellow day clip-on lens can be clipped on from daytime. Then you clip them off and you can clip on the orange lens which is about 500 nanometers of blocks out too. And that's ideal around sort of like the dusk period when the sun sets around there. And then within the last couple of hours before bed, it'd be ideal to clip on the red ones, which will block up to about 550 nanometers. So to be the, the range would be launched, it would be each with three clip-on lenses and to serve each individual needs as well. And the base lens would be a clear lens that will block out just a small percentage of blue light, but it isn't um, colored. So people might mightn't feel comfortable wearing the color lenses. So just having the actual frames themselves, nice, simple, stylish acetate frames that you can, people can wear. And if they're at home, they can easily just clip on a red lens or clip on an orange lens, whatever they feel comfortable with. So the idea is that having it's ultimately three pairs of glasses in one um, with interchangeable lenses to block out blue light, just to meet everyone's needs whenever they want. So most of the glasses I've came across gone through have trialed a ton of them um, they're all just set in the one style so if you wanted to get a pair of day a pair of night glasses you have to have like two or three pairs of glasses with you and that's just to find a style that you like as well so the idea of the clip-ons is that it's interchangeable and you can essentially have three glasses and one to do the trick for you from day to night so yeah that's sort of how it stemmed from there and it's been a lot of back and forth to get this sort of product to my standard and to how I would like it. And it's looking, yeah, I'm really, really happy with the final samples are being um, shipped down pretty soon next sort of within the next month. And then that would be most likely be launched straight to the US. Oh, they're going to be released straight in the US in Australia at the same time? Yeah, actually not in Australia. They're actually going to be, yeah. So uh, they're going to be direct to US and it'll be available on Amazon. But then I'm just working on actually expanding that from there. So the launching with 
three or four different styles. And then from there, it'll just keep expanding from there. So at the same time, it's, I guess it'd be, I, it's more than just, I guess, an eyewear company just making blue blocking glasses. I want to grow this something a lot bigger, more of a movement and lifestyle. Um, at the same time, I want to get people to, I guess, respect and appreciate the sun and also to get away from the blue light and block the blue light. They're both the same. So it, to avoid the sun and then avoid blue light is not ideal. Getting the adequate amount of sunlight and blocking the blue light is enough to sort of get your body in such a, a natural circadian rhythm, day-to-day, day-light cycles, then it's ideal. Everything else just sort of falls into place. Your sleep get, improves. Um, everything improves. The immune system, everything gets strengthened. So it's that whole system. I'm just teaching people, I guess, about lighting, the effects of the sun, and also blocking blue light while looking cool. Cool. I like the idea. It makes a ton of sense, you know, having three in one and being able to change according to the time of the day. One question I have, and school me on this, I'm, I'm curious actually during the day why you would need some sort of colored lens. Is that if, say, you're working in an office and you're sort of, or just in front of your computer or whatever, and you don't want to be exposed to that kind of light, is that the issue? Why you want the yellow lens during the day? Correct. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. If if I'm yeah, if you're outside, then yeah, absolutely. The, the idea is for me is to remove all glasses when you're outside. And if you're in an environment where you have daylight all around you through windows, then yeah, there's no need for it whatsoever. But in those environments, in the office buildings, all those places with the fluorescent lighting and the lights from the blue lights from the screen, then yeah, yellow yellow clip on lens is absolutely ideal to sort of keep you alert still, but to, to block out some blue. Right. Do you have the price point yet developed for the product? Yeah, I'm still figuring the bits and pieces out once I get the final samples down and also the clip-ons and then work out all the logistics side of things as well. I'll be launching, most, I'm most likely to be launching at a relatively reduced price as an introductory price into the market. So it'd be around, the frames won't be, oh, I'm trying to keep it to around 99 US, below that at least. And then for the actual clip-ons itself, I'm still figuring out the, the cost for that. So the clip-ons, are, yeah, they're like the sort of differentiating point would be that, the clip-ons for sure. So most people, the frames would be very similar to most stylish frames you find out there. It's three or four different styles that would fit most face shapes at least. And then um, from there, then the clip-ons as well to add to that. So still figure out the price point, but it shouldn't be any more than, the frame shouldn't be more 99. And then the clip-on lenses, trying to keep that down to a, a relatively low cost as well. Nice. Sounds like a great concept and I can't wait to try it myself. Yeah, make sure I'll send you a pair for sure. Looking forward to getting everyone's... I would love that. Yeah, letting like everybody's eyesight just improve from that for sure. I'd like to get into people's hands. So for me, it's all about the impact that's going to I want to have on the world so rather than trying to make a large profit margin from it I'm it's for me it's just trying to get into as many hands as possible so however however whatever it takes to do that I'll yeah I'll endeavor to do that for sure awesome well whenever you do release that let me know and I'm happy to mention it on the site to on the website as well and on on social media for hacking the self and I, I'm mindful of your time, but before you go, just because we've been talking about light and it clearly intersects a lot with sleep, and we've certainly talked about that at points, I just was wondering if you could wrap things up by maybe giving people sort of your favorite sleep hacks, you know, in addition to what you've already said. Yeah, great. Oh, absolutely. I guess if I can go through what my sort of regimen is as well and how that sort of it fits in with me um, and my lifestyle. It's, I guess, again, that's, I guess why my interest so much is in lighting sunlight and blocking blue light is the fact that it's, for me, it's one of the biggest 
like as elements or what I've seen at least with determining sleep quality as well. So um, having that down, having that sort of um, concreted down, having that sort of sunlight routine of getting sunlight consistently and also blocking blue light consistently, I find is a huge predictor of quality of sleep as well. So having that in there as well, there are other sort of benefits as well with meditation, either either side of sleep, ideally in the morning, wake up, and then ideally some sort of breath focused or some sort of um, reflection before bed to sort of quiet your mind down a little bit too. That's definitely a great way to do. So either reading a um, a fiction book is ideal. Nothing that's too stimulating for the mind. Ideally not to be watching like TV right before you go to bed or even jumping on your phone, laptop, and then jumping straight to bed. So there are plenty of practices that are, I guess, that are in that area. So I guess the having that sort of cemented routine of the lighting environment down pat. And also another big one I've noticed to increase my deep sleep, some great hacks as well as um, I found reishi reishi tea about, about an hour or two before bed um, has done wonders for my sleep. So a good reishi extract is um, real mushrooms. They're some of the best highest quality medicinal mushroom extracts out there. So reishi and like a good raw honey, put in with some warm water and have that about an hour or two before you go to bed. That's a great way to increase deep sleep in a natural way as well and also fortify the immune system. That's a great way of doing it and also having dinner at an earlier time before you go to bed. So nothing too heavy, too close to bed. There's some like really simple hacks that can really shift your body's ability to be able to properly have a deep sleep, get into a deep sleep state. So if you're going to have a meal, ideally around sort of the sunset time and not to be having such a very dense meal, have a sort of a fairly light meal as well. It's very much in line with the Ayurvedic principles of eating like your biggest meal at lunch, eating a lighter meal at night. It allows your body to then fall into a deeper sleep, which is, which is the restorative sleep that we require the most to be able to go through. So yeah, having a lighter meal, having a, either a good way to sort of increase a deep sleep as well as a reishi and raw honey tea. Got to get the blue blockers on as well if you're in an environment with blue light lit everywhere. And then also getting that morning sunlight when you first wake up in the morning. There's some really simple, underrated, I guess, practices, and that can have a tremendous effect on your overall health. Is there a particular brand you like for the reishi mushroom tea? Yeah, I particularly, the one I use and promote would be the real mushrooms. I guess host defense is also great as well. They're two of the, I guess, the more recognizable ones, but also just the quality ones, it's hard to find ones that are, I guess, of a high quality and that are grown either organically or wild. And personally, I use the real mushrooms. And they're like in the Canadian company and they're, um, all their extracts are brilliant and I use them quite often. What's the name of that Canadian company? Real Mushrooms. Real Mushrooms. Okay. Yeah, Real Mushrooms. Yeah. I also use Host Defense and I've been using some for Sigmatic. But, but that, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, I used to use Four Sigmatic and Host Events is great too. I've heard a lot of great things from them. I guess the quality as well. They, yeah, it's great. Four Sigmatic, I did use them. They were very convenient. But what I found was I preferred the pure extracts. So Four Sigmatic usually are blended with as well, where I wanted the, the pure ratio extract, the pure lion's mane. And you get, yeah, you get a little potent hit of that and the, um, the benefits from that. So that's what I, that's what I preferred personally. Um, some people prefer the easy rip and um, pour and the sort of bit more flavorful ones from Four Sigmatic. Um, but I think they're all really great. I think they're better than absolutely, yeah, to some way including to your diet and lifestyle for sure. Yeah. Host Defense is extremely high quality. Paul Stamets, the founder, is you know one of the world's leading mycologists and I'm a big fan of their products. I use a lot of them, the, the pills, and I'm starting to use more of the extracts. The only point that someone made that I heard who was very into mushrooms, he said, they're the highest quality you could get 
and organic, but just, you know, they're not wild. And some people, this person was making kind of the case for, for wild mushrooms, if you can afford it at that price. So I'm guessing that these, the, the ratio you're talking about from the Canadian company, are those wild mushrooms by chance? I think... Or are those similar? Something from memory, it'd be similar. Yeah, we're not sure whether they're wild or just organic or wild and organic. You might have to check out the website and find out more inform- information from them. I just know, yeah, I, I know definitely host defense and real mushrooms would definitely be the top of their game in terms of quality, in terms of people I trust at least. I listened to the founder of, of Real Mushrooms as well and you can really see he's um, passionate about getting the quality out there and not have anything grown on grains. It's all, um, yeah, grown to the highest quality, extracted as well, not using um, sort of harsh chemicals to extract it. Use a hot water extraction as well, and sometimes an alcohol extraction. So, yeah, host defense and real mushrooms, I'd say be the top two for sure in terms of mushroom extracts in the world. That is great to know. Thank you, Danny. And one thing I should have asked earlier, but I just I thought of it pertaining to both light and sleep is just sort of the talk of the topic of supplements. You know, what do you think of people taking vitamin D supplements? And I, uh, I know this can really vary wildly depending on the person. And this is sort of the case for doing genetic testing and things like that. I'm just I'm curious to get your take on um, the role of supplements. Is that something that you take personally for vitamin D or, or anything else? And um, yeah, just sort of what are your thoughts on supplements? Yeah, it's a good question. I guess a lot of people do. That generally is where most people would want to would like to start because the it's so easy and convenient. Not usually where I like to start. I like to start with the practices first, and then once that's all in place, I add in supplements. So yeah, I do personally take most of the supplements I take. Majority of them are Ayurvedic herbs, so this either whole herb extracts, organic whole herb extracts. It's usually where I start. But I also I do in winter time. I have liquid vitamin D. So I can monitor how much I, I think Thorn do a really good vitamin D. I'm a liquid vitamin. So it's a vitamin D and it's ideal to get vitamin D and K2 combined. And for the people that I guess aren't in a, probably closer to the polars, that'd be ideal to be getting some sort of vitamin D supplementation as well on top of that. In summertime, I don't take any vitamin D at all. There's enough sunlight here in, um, in Melbourne for me to um, get and absorb as well. And that's where the ideal source would be from there. But in wintertime, yeah, I do like a, um, a good liquid one where I can, I guess, um, increase or decrease the amount as I need. So the droplet form is definitely a great way to go um, for vitamin D extract. In terms of actually, I guess, sleep supplements as well, um, there's a low-dose melatonin would be one if people want to get back on track and realign their circadian rhythms. That's a, a good way to go. There's a company I trust a lot with that and where I get my majority of my herbs from is um, LifeSpa. Dr. John Dooryard, he's been in the game for a long time now and pretty much is merging sort of the ancient science and the uh, ancient wisdom and the modern science together. He's a, he's a, I trust a lot of his products there. So he has a really good liquid melatonin there where you can sort of increase his dosage to your needs. I know a lot of people out there just subscribe just way too high dosage of, of um, melatonin, the 10 milligrams or plus, which is just insane. It should be at a very low amount and then sort of increase over time to your needs. And so low-dose low melatonin is um, helpful. And also, I think another thing is really helpful for sleep is either an, an L-theanine supplement or a magnesium supplement. I personally take L-theanine and magnesium L-theranate. I usually I find those two there while I track my sleep. I notice that it, it helps with um, my resting heart rate to lower my resting heart rate. 
and sort of increases deep sleep as well. So, and they're quite a relaxing agent as well for your body. Funny you mentioned that. I had just ordered yesterday the Thorn Liquid Vitamin D, Vitamin K, because I heard it on Ben Greenfield's podcast and he was talking about it. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah he does. He promotes that for sure. Yeah. It's a great supplement. That's the, yeah, another company I trust as well. Thorn are very, are very solid with most of the supplementation. So, yeah, I'd say pretty safe product to go for as well. And you can increase the amounts to whatever you need as well. So, you can go for a thousand IUs or you can go up more if you're in the winter months and you're not getting much vitamin D at all. So just to help with the immune system. So yeah, that's a, a thorn of good company. Very cool. Well, Dane, thank you so much for your time and you're a, a fountain of knowledge and wisdom. Really appreciate it. I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners did as well. So before I let you go, is there anything you want to share with our audience about where they can find you? Yeah, they could find me. I guess the most active would be on Instagram at Dane Barkley. And also my website would be damebikely.com. It's almost on my hub where I put all of my information in there. Um, and from there, they can then eventually, once I launch the Barkley eyewear range, I'll be connected to my Dame Barkley website as well. So it'll all be connected eventually, probably in the next few months. But yeah, that's be the best place to find me. Well, Dane, thank you so much for your time. And let's definitely stay in touch. For sure. Thanks, Adrian. Appreciate it. Okay, take care.